Paul prayed and said, I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will unto all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is what he wrote in Colossians, first chapter. And that's what we're going to be studying this morning, Colossians chapter 1. So if you want to go ahead and take out your Bible, turn over to uh, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to go through a textual study this morning of this, of this chapter. Appreciate the opportunity to stand before you this morning. Donnie's absent, uh, so some of us men stand in, volunteer, take his spot while he's gone. So I'd count you a friend and a brother if I say something that's out of line with the scripture this morning, bring that to my attention. But I will do my due diligence to make sure we stick right to the text and try to elaborate on some of the meanings and some of the practical lessons that we see from the Apostle Paul here in this first chapter of Colossians. I encourage you to go ahead and read through the rest of this book as you have opportunity. You'll find that the first two chapters of this book will be kind of a doctrinal thing, and then the last uh, two chapters are going to be more of a practical, uh, practical points. Where we start out here is an introduction from the Apostle Paul. And as Paul does in most of his letters, he's going to start out and I find it interesting that Paul says an apostle. That, that Paul is establishing his authority when he starts out this letter. And that's for a, a reason that, that he would start this uh, in this manner. We just finished, or uh, finishing up, finished 2 Corinthians. And we saw in those last few chapters of 2 Corinthians, Paul is defending his apostleship. This man is third in the hierarchy when we look at God in Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. This man was endued with power of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And we, as we study through his letters, we study through Scripture, we, we really need to get our minds wrapped around the fact that we are reading writings from a man uh, selected by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and this is by the will of God, and have a proper respect for what he's writing to us, and let that be personal to us. That was a little bit of the problem we see with 2 Corinthians, in the Corinthian uh, church, that they did not uh, respect and, and really examine uh, this, this man and his, and his authority that he was given by our Lord and Savior. So as I read through, keep that in mind. And he, he elaborates on that in this first verse, that it's of Jesus Christ, it is by the will of God. This is God's will uh, that Jesus Christ would appoint apostles to carry out this work. He's there with Timothy, uh, helping him along as a servant and as, uh, just kind of a helper. And he's writing to the saints and faithful brethren. And it's another point that needs to be personal to us. Um, to the saints and faithful brethren that Paul has uh, really got it deep in his heart. Uh, these instructions for the saints and faithful brethren that are at Colossae. And if it helps us to make it more personal, let, let us say to the saints and faithful brethren that are El Bethel. If that helps us as we study, let's, let's insert El Bethel in there because this is to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us this scripture is for us that we may be complete. He wants them to have grace 
think of the grace of God, we ought most likely we're going to think of salvation. And that is, that's the pinnacle of grace, is the salvation that we receive, that gift from God, salvation. But also I want to think about these brethren he's writing to and to us. What are some other things that God, when we look around in our lives, the grace of God, and the first thing that I would call in line, would put in line right behind salvation is our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you want to think about some unmerited favor of God and some gifts that God gives us, some things that we have in our lives that, that's a gift from God, it should be each other. It should be our brothers and sisters in Christ and our relationships that we have and appreciate that great gift that God has given us. When your family leaves you, when the world's turning against God, you know what you've got? You've got a gift from God, and that's your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the grace of God putting this family together for us. Ability to work and provide for ourselves. This great country we live in, the freedom of religion we have, that's another grace of God. We can go on and on and talk about the grace of God and kind of put those things in order. And he also mentions there's peace. And we think about peace. If you just watch the news, you're, you see a lot going on in this world that's not peaceful. But he tells us here, Paul says, peace from our God and our Lord and Savior. And we have peace knowing that we can be right with God. We have, um, we're going to see more in this study, that we can know we're right with God. And we have all the instructions to be right with God. And that gives us peace to know that we're redeemed from our sins. That's peace. But also go right hand in hand with that grace is we can have peace knowing that we have each other to lean upon. And what a blessing that is to know that we don't have to walk through this world all by ourselves. That we've got people that will join us hand to hand and help us through our struggles. Help us when we're down mentally help us when we're down spiritually help us when we're down financially that we can have peace knowing we have each other i often see the people that are in need um, down on their luck and i'm up where, where's the church in your life there's the answer the church is the answer god put it in place at the beginning there's there's going to be a provider in there and it's brothers and sisters and it's the it's our brethren it's our saints. And it gives us peace when we don't have peace in our lives. We have each other to lean upon. If you don't see the grace and peace in your life, because you're not looking. You're not looking in the right place. You're not giving thanks. We're going to say it just in this next section. Paul's thankfulness. And we're going to see in a great example for this man. Because we know what Paul went through, the persecutions, the trials, uh, everything he went through. And let's look and see what he's... Uh, the, the first thing is he's praying. He, he is praying. And that's, that's that, that thankful heart that the first thing he does with that thankful heart is he's praying. And we should also do that as well. Sit down and pray and start giving thanks and find, look at those things that you should be thankful for. The first thing he talk, talks about here is the faith. The faith, and he gives credit to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father for their faith. He heard of their faith. And that's one thing we should 
realize when we think about our faith, our faith is not just maybe bottled up just in us, but our faith is apparent to others. And people may be being thankful and praying for you because of their, they can see your faith. Paul was able to see uh, their faith, and he was praying for their faith. He also heard of their faith. Another practical point when we think about this, that, that people are going to hear, others are going to hear about our faith. They may not see it, but people can, can hear of that, hear of each other's faith, hear of other brethren in other parts of the world with faith. Uh, let us give thanks for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters, and the, and the people all over the world that have faith in our Lord and Savior. The next thing that he gives thanks for, he says that he's also heard of their love for all the saints. That's another thing that should be apparent in our lives, that our love should be apparent for all the saints and for each other. Uh, that's something that should not be held within. Uh, this is going to be part of the fruits. We're going to say that in just a moment. But that love also was heard of. Their faith drove the love toward others. As their faith becomes stronger, their love for, the, uh, for others, for all the other saints, that grew stronger. And the next thing he gives thanks for is the hope. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. How thankful we all should be for this hope that we have. The hope that we have in heaven the hope that we see in others, the faith that we see in this hope of heaven, the, the abounding love because of the hope they have, the hope that we have for each other, of which they heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel and how thankful we should be, how thankful we should be that we have the word of God, how thankful we should be that, we, that it is the truth and we can know the truth. And it's the gospel. It is the good news. So this good news is, is the truth. And we can hold it in our hands. We can have that word. We've got it in our hands. And how sad it is. How sad it is to see people that miss opportunities sit down and open up this book with us, study through it, study the truth of the good news, and we'll sit at home and not come in here with the other saints and faithful brethren and sit down and study this. How sad, how sad that you will select something else to do above this. It has come to you as it has also in all the world. It shows the spreading of this word. This good news was not just confined to this small area. Paul is reminding us here that this word has went throughout throughout all the world. You can imagine today we've got all this technology. It's easy to get the news out. Back in this day, it was very uh, difficult for word to travel around. But this news of this risen Savior, Jesus Christ, had made it in what Paul is calling all the world. This news had traveled around. And it had done something else. It is bringing forth fruit. And this is the, a, a good example to us to talk about bringing forth fruit. You want to talk about what's the fruit that should be bringing forth from your life? Back up just a few verses. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. That's fruit that you can produce, that you should produce, that was being produced uh, through this word. 
of the truth of the gospel, that it was working in people's lives. Here's another practical point. Since the day you heard, since the day you heard, there was fruit being produced. So once we hear what we should be doing, it should start producing at that point. And when we know the grace of God is another reason. When we hear it, we should realize it's the grace of God and then the fruit should be produced at that point. He's also thankful for Epaphras. And here's another thing about our brethren. Here he's saying, um, he calls Epaphras our dear fellow servant. Our dear fellow servant. And what attitude we should have for each other and consider each one of our brothers and sisters in Christ as being a dear fellow servant and also a faithful minister of Christ when we see those around us that are faithful to the word. And he was working on their behalf and has declared to us your love in the spirit. It's bringing back that good news to Paul about these people and, and the fruits of producing, about their love for each other, about their faith, and how, we should, how much more should we not strive to have that same report that can be taken to other churches, that our faith, our hope, and our love uh, is reported back to others. The next section here, now your Bible may be divided up and take this um, preeminence, of, preeminence of Christ 9 through um, 18, but I, as I was studying through this, I thought really I'd like to put 9 through 11, kind of Paul's desire for this section. And his first thing, um, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you, and he asked that something happened. And he asked that they may be filled, that you may be filled. We should fill ourselves with God's will. I'll tell you why. If we're not filling it with God's will, what are we filling it with? What are we filling it with? What are we filling our minds with if it's not God's will? Could be our, be, be our own will could be uh, worldly things, worldly passions, fleshly desires. So as you read this and you think, you think about Paul praying for them, that they should be filled with this. Fill ourselves up with it. And fill yourselves up with what? The knowledge of His will. The knowledge... There's a difference between knowledge, wisdom, and spiritual understanding. We have those three items called out here. Knowledge is knowing the text, knowing what we read here. Maybe remembering what we find in the Scripture. But then when we get to wisdom, that's actually the application. What words? An application of what we've read. And I'll give you an example. Jesus said, you make sure that you be aware that there are going to be men to come amongst you that are wolves, and they're going to be dressed in sheep's clothing. All right? That's knowledge. That's knowledge. You know that's what the Scripture says. Men come amongst you, they're going to, they're going to look the part, they're going to sound the part, they may even speak the part, but inwardly they're wolves. Wisdom... Is, is when you're able to, to see that and catch up on the loose preaching, 
or the uh, lack of scripture in preaching and the I think, I believe. This is the way I interpret it. And wisdom will move you to take action when you see that happening, when the error is starting to infiltrate this church and you see something's going on and you call it out to the elders or you see someone in Bible class that may be starting to, to put their opinions and you start hearing things that I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. It's kind of new. You see, that's wisdom. You're able to pick up on that and, and watch for that. And then when you talk about spiritual understanding, what is the difference in knowledge, wisdom, and spiritual understanding? Spiritual understanding is those of a spiritual nature. Things that are of a spiritual nature, not of this world, not of the material things or the physical things of this world, but a spiritual thing. Recognizing, and we're going to say it in just a moment, about the invisible things. This talks about Christ having preeminence over um, the invisible things. And that gets into the spiritual realm. Give you, an, give you an example. In Job, God and Satan's having this conversation. God says, where you been, Job? Oh, I've been going to and fro. It's invisible, right? That's of a spiritual nature. Second Chronicles 16, you find there God was going to and fro, seeking those looking for those that were loyal to him. So we've got Satan going to and fro. We've got God going to and fro. Things invisible to us, a spiritual nature. Satan trying to devour us and God watching. Who is going to be loyal to me? That's what God's looking for. Second Chronicles 16, what we found is just a few weeks ago we studied through that. I thought it was very interesting to see that. And that's the spiritual understanding, that there are spiritual things we cannot see that are going on. And God is watching us, and Satan is watching us too. See, he, seek who he may devour, and God watching to see who's going to be loyal to me. Who will be loyal to me? I think that's the spiritual understanding. Also, there's more. A spiritual understanding is, is realizing that the death of this body is, is really no big deal. Because it's not the end. When you have a spiritual understanding, the death of this body, it's not the end. It's the beginning, if we're faithful, of eternity in paradise with our God and our Savior and the Apostle Paul. The beginning of that. Spiritual understanding. We don't ever, we, we do not see, we do not see everything. We need to always remind ourselves about all the things that be going on that we have no idea, no idea. He goes on to say in verse 11 that, that to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And you may ask, okay, is, is Paul leaving me, is he leaving me hanging here on how to be strengthened? No, he's not. He's not leaving you hanging, Okay. He's telling you in verse 9, fill yourself up with the knowledge. Fill yourself up with the knowledge. Use wisdom. Get around people that have wisdom. Start producing the fruits and work on your spiritual understanding and something's going to happen. Verse 11, you're going to be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. And you're going to need that 
You know why you're going to need it? Because you're going to need some patience and long-suffering and to help you with your joy. So Paul's giving you the roadmap. Reason to fill yourself with that because that answers these weaknesses, that addresses the weaknesses in us, that we may feel weak, but we have a way to strengthen ourselves. And it starts out filling yourself with the knowledge of His will. He's got another desire. Paul says there that you may walk worthy. There's another one. I'm going to go back to one. Uh, going to get walk worthy first. Walking worthy is part of our responsibility. And to walk worthy, we need that knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding. Increasing. I thought interesting also. That in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And they talk, talk about a challenge and a goal for us. Paul first says, fill yourself with knowledge. And then he comes right back and he said, increasing. As Michael went over in Bible class talking about growing. You think about that, that you filled yourself up with knowledge. And Paul's saying, you, you fill yourself up and then you continue to increase. You keep going. You keep adding to it. Keep adding to it. And then that's going, to, that's going to add to this being strengthened with all might. And what peace we can have in our minds knowing that we can achieve this strength that we need. That we can um, be encouraged and have the strength when times, when times get hard for us. The preeminence of Christ starts in about uh, verse 12 here. And you think about the preeminence of Christ, that being this superiority of Christ. Um, think about who He is and what He does. Uh, the preeminence of Him and the superiority. What He does for us. Uh, this, this position that He holds and He does something for us. He qualifies us. In, in, our, in our world we may think about being qualified uh, going through a test and maybe be qualified for something. Uh, Dick and I go out and cook chili, just random places, and we have to be qualified to get to the, the kind of the world championship. The people in the Olympics have to go through the smaller trials to be qualified for the Olympics. Jesus qualifies us. He, he takes care of that for us. Uh, it's giving him the preeminence, and that's what makes him so superior. Uh, is he's able to make us qualified. And he qualifies us to be what? There in verse 12, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And how encouraging it should be for us and how motivating that should be for us to know that we've got a Savior that does the qualifying for us and, and brings us into, into His kingdom, into His inheritance and that promise of an inheritance that we can put all of our faith in. And all of our hope. And He delivers us from something. He delivers us from the power of darkness. And you think about what's the power of darkness? We just look around, can't we? Um, I, I think it's more... Um, one of the most apparent things that I see is the power of darkness working, pulling people away from the Lord. And the power it can ha have to de absolutely destroys people's faith. Destroy people's faith. And the power of darkness is the, kind of the, uh, what I see up front. And then we see it 
We see it in a lot of things in our life, uh, of the evil and the wickedness going on and the, the power that he has over people, that Satan has over people. Uh, let us always remember the power of darkness. It, it calls Satan the prince of this world. He's the prince of this world. You find that in the Gospels. And Jesus Christ has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That He moves us into His kingdom. And how assuring that should be. He redeems us there in verse 14. He pays the price. And what's it, what is it through? It's through His blood. And what do we have? We have the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. What makes Christ, what gives Him the preeminence? That He has that, He has shed that blood for us. 15 through 18, by looking for some sermon material, 15 through 18 could be a sermon of its own. There is a lot to unpack in these, this section 15 through 18. Let us read there. Him being the image, the image of the invisible God. And remember, talking about that spiritual understanding. It's to just recall there are things we don't see. There's things we do not know right now. And Christ is the image of that invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And for by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. And here's your visible and invisible doesn't matter whether it's a throne, dominion, or principality, or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. So we can see here how all power, all authority, was handed over to Christ. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is our head. He is beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence, that he may have the superiority. People, there is nowhere else to turn. There is nowhere else to turn but to Jesus Christ because he reconciles us. It is by him that he is doing the reconciling and it is to him that we are reconciled. So there is nowhere else to turn. He is over all creation. Things we may see and things that we cannot see. Let's talk about us being reconciled in Him. He starts there in verse 19, that it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness, all fullness should dwell. See, talking about all fullness. Think about all the, all the wisdom, all the power, all the authority, all that dwells in our Savior. And it pleased the Father that, it, that all that dwells in Him. So Jesus Christ, pleasing to the Father, all the fullness is in Christ. He's passed His power on to the Apostle, and the Apostle's writing to us now. And He does reconcile. We are reconciled. We are made right. We are made right. That's part of that redeeming quality. And He's taking care of that here on earth, and it's also taken care of in heaven. And through the violence on that cross, peace comes. So where does peace come from? It comes from us making, that that blood makes us right in the sight of God. That's where the peace is at. And you see, verse 21, that you are enemies, you are alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, and yet now He is reconciled in the body of His flesh through death. That it's through His death 
that we can be reconciled. We can be made right. And that does, that makes us holy. And what does holy mean? That, that, that separates us. We are no longer blameless and we are above reproach. If. That is a big word if we look in this section. If indeed you continue in the faith. If indeed you are stay grounded. If you stay steadfast. And if you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. If. I ask you this question. We were once alienated and enemies in our mind by wicked works. But now we're reconciled. So what happens? What condition are we in? If we do not continue in the faith, what happens if we do not stay grounded? What happens if we do not stay steadfast? And what happens if we are moved away from the hope that we have? What happens? I think our answer is in verse 21. I think we're right back to being alienated and enemies again, aren't we? That's where we once were. But when we were reconciled, we were put in good graces. And now if we fall away, if we're moved away, then we're no longer there. This, this should shake us to our core. Absolutely shake us to our core. That I need to make sure that I continue in faith, that I stay grounded, that I stay steadfast, and I'm not moved away. Because if I'm moved away, I'm alienated from our God and our Savior. And classified as an enemy? This should, this should shake us to, to, to go right back to what we just studied about filling ourselves. Fill yourselves with the knowledge. Strengthen yourself with all might. Bring forth the fruits, the faith and love. And again, he talks about the gospel being preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. This word, it went far and wide. How thankful we should be for that. How thankful we should be for Paul. Now let's look at some of the service, that uh, sacrificial service of Paul. We talked in this Bible class about rejoicing. Here Paul's saying, I rejoice in my sufferings. And you think, well, how can he rejoice in his sufferings? There was a void. There can be voids in our lives and our hearts when, when we suffer things, when we suffer loss. When we watch people fall astray. When we see people turn their backs on, on God or we, the, the, the church is becoming weaker, uh, just things going on could leave holes in our hearts. And Paul's saying that... Um, Something in his flesh is lacking in the afflictions of Christ through his sufferings. But he's filled up in his flesh. There's something that fills that void here in verse 24, and that's the church. Talk about something that can fill a hole in your heart if you, if you lose someone out of your life. Someone is gone from your life that, that meant something to you that's gone. 
What we can be assured of is there's somebody else, there's another brother or sister in Christ that can fill that void. There is someone else that can fill that hole. And if you have that void in your life, let us work to put something in that hole. A brother or sister in Christ, another saint, a faithful brethren, when that void is there, fill it with someone else. You may, lose, you may lose a child, but there's another child that's there, another brother that can feel, help you fill that void. That can be filled. Paul was filled up. He had the afflictions and the sufferings, but he was filled by others, others that were faithful. He became a minister according to the stewardship, uh, which was God, which is given to me to fulfill the world to fulfill the word of God. That was his goal. And we think about our lives and about, yeah, what's my purpose? What do I need to be doing? Well, we need to set a goal. See, Paul had a goal. Um, he had a stewardship that was given to him. And, and what was the goal? It was for him to fulfill the word, to take that out. And in him working and fulfilling that word, Filled those voids and those afflictions that, that might have caused that void in his life, that that's what helped him um, fill up his flesh. Revealing a mystery. We read about this often as we go through the, the New Testament, about this mystery. And here he talks about that. And we see this today. We try to talk to people about the gospel. It's a, it's a mystery to them. They just, they just can't understand it. They just can't get their mind wrapped around. It's still a mystery. And uh, Paul's saying here that uh, that was part of his goal, to fulfill this Word of God, to fulfill the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations. But it's now it's been revealed. How grateful we should be that we have the Bible in our hands because so many generations prior to us did not have that in their hands. And that was a mystery to them. He's revealed it to his saints. And to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, that the Gentiles would receive the, the gospel, which is Christ in you. And Paul was there to help reveal that, take that word into all the world. Paul preaches, warns, and teaches. Tells us something about preaching, doesn't it? Preaching needs to be warning people, every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom. That's what we're doing here this morning, isn't it? So we're going through His Word, we're, we're reading, we're studying, taking the heed from the Scripture that, that let us be careful. Let us heed the warnings. Let us have our open hearts and minds that we can be taught that we may increase in our wisdom. Paul was wanting them to be presented perfect in Jesus Christ. That should be our goal, that we add the knowledge to ourselves, that we increase in wisdom and spiritual understanding because our goal should be to present ourselves before our Savior and try to be perfect, try to be complete. That's what that word means, is complete in Jesus Christ. To this end, I also labor, 
Paul gives us another, another challenge. To the end, I also labor. Not to get to a point in your life where you feel like, well, I'm, I'm too old, I'm, I'm done. No. Paul's saying let's go all the way to the end. Let's labor all the way to the end. Striving according to his working which works in me mightily. It's a goal for us as well. So what have we seen this morning? First chapter of Colossians gives us a lot to think about. Apostle Paul with all authority bringing us a letter that we can take personally. See an example of their faith. We know Paul has a desire for us to add to our faith. We have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that has superiority over all, over everything hidden and revealed. We are reconciled and let us use Paul's service as an example to us and our service to our Lord and Savior. You're here this morning and you haven't obeyed the gospel. Uh, now is the time. Uh, since they heard it, uh, they responded, these Colossians. When they heard it, they responded. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you need to uh, make correction in your life. You might need to obey the gospel. Now's the time. You've heard it. You've got the word in your hand. You've got people here uh, that are willing to help you and will bend over backwards to help you in your walk through this through this world and to help you build your faith. But it, the, it takes you making the first step. We cannot do that for you. Uh, it is totally up to you. And you never know when your days may be ended. Don't have to be the end. Don't have to be the end. Could be, uh, could be just the beginning in paradise with our Lord and Savior if you're right. If you're right with Him. For subject to the invitation, we ask you come as we stand and sing.